Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. And today I'm excited to tell you that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Baker Books. The Bible says that God makes all things beautiful in their time, but it can be hard to trust that our mess can actually be made into something good. In her new book, Searching for Spring, Christine Hoover takes readers on a treasure hunt for beauty in both the familiar and unexpected places. If you're in the middle of suffering, if you find your faith withering, if you are questioning whether God is at work or even present as you wait for something in your life to become beautiful, this book will be a welcome reminder that God never stops His redemptive work. And there is a time for everything under heaven. So it's available now from your favorite bookseller. So visit Christine Hoover online at gracecoversme.com to learn more. And singing to us in the background, as always, is our good friend Dave Barnes. His new album, Who Knew It Was So Hard to Be Myself, just released about a month ago. And literally every week I have to look up that album title because I forget it. But who knew it was so hard to be myself? It is available. You can get it from his website or on Apple Music, on iTunes, or you can listen on Spotify. And you should. It is such a really, really great album. Speaking of music, we haven't had a lot of other musicians on lately, and this is going to be one of those podcasts that is a little bit different because you know my thing. I always bring my friends on or people that I'm a super fan of. And today's guest is someone I'm an absolute super fan of. And fingers crossed, hopefully I can force him to be my friend as well. We will see. But Corey Asbury is one of my favorite worship leaders for years. I have listened to his music and worshiped along with his music for probably a decade, at least since I lived in Atlanta. So that, yeah, that was a decade ago. And I just think really, really highly of him. And his new album, Reckless Love, just came out. And I am not exaggerating. I cannot quit it. It is what I listen to when I wake up. It is what I'm listening to all the time. Not just that one song, though. Every evangelical church in the nation seems to be singing that song, which I agree with you. I, we are too. But the whole album is just incredible. And so we did a little stalking and a little reaching out. It was like, could we get Corey Asbury on the show? And the answer is yes. He was kind enough to come on the show. So without any more delay, here is our, my conversation with worship leader Corey Asbury. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, I think it's going to be super fun. Uh, the answer is totally fine. Have they told you anything about my show or do you know anything about our podcast? No, no, I don't. Okay. Um, so then I'll just give you an update. It's just called That Sounds Fun. So we talk about a lot of fun things. Okay. But the kind of the thing that everyone knows is that I only have my friends on. Like I only interview my friends. That's like one of the rules. <laughs> or someone that I'm a massive fan of. Gotcha. But then also someone that I'm a massive fan of that I then force to be my actual friend. So that would be the category which you fall into, Mr. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. That sounds good. So, okay, good. Um, can we just dive into Reckless Love? Please, yeah. Did you have any idea this song was going to do this? Honestly, uh, it's going to sound real arrogant. I'm ready. No, I'm super ready. We're all, for, I mean, everybody's in. As soon as I finished the song, I sent it to Eric, who he was our uh, kind of A&R-ish kind of dude back then he switched roles now but i said hey man i finished the song last night and i said i think i penned my opus <laughs> <gasps> really you knew meaning it was so close to my heart i didn't yeah. know the impact enough but i knew that it came from a really really deep place in my heart and i knew it was a good song i just yeah. didn't know the impact that it would have you know 
Like a couple of weeks ago, I was flipping through Insta stories on Sunday mornings and everyone Insta stories worship now, right? And like yeah. six churches in Nashville did Reckless Love the same morning. I was like, come <laughs> on with it, Corey Asbury. <laughs> it's so sweet. I mean, it's it's been crazy. Uh, I knew it was a good song, but I had no idea the reach that it would have, honestly. No, I mean, you literally, how could you even have imagined this? No, not a chance. It was close to my heart and I hoped but to see what it's doing has been really incredible. What does it look like on your end? Are you like, how can you see how much it is besides sales and blah, blah, blah. I mean, are you just like constantly tagged on Instagram and like, (laughs) I mean, is it just unbelievable? Yeah. Yeah. Besides, you know, the things that Bethel music sends me the numbers, which are very cool. And I'm, I'm new to all that. Yeah. I mean, so many social media stories and tags and different things and then covers and, this song meant this to me and my dad was going through this. And then all of a sudden your song helped me through this. And it's been really insane. And I I honestly, I'm trying to keep up with it as much as possible because I so value the stories and I so value people that I, I want to connect about it. And I want to give dignity to the people that are going, man, your, your song really touched my heart. I think that's important. Um, so yeah, it's been, you know, Twitter, Instagram, the whole deal, just, just enjoying it really. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I was going to ask you is how are you keeping up? Because for me, uh, when people mail me letters about my books or when I've spoken somewhere, we have like a notebook that we keep. If someone <laughs> like puts a stamp on it, we will keep it in a notebook. But then in the emails, we just have like a, a you know, a folder. How yeah. are you keeping up with all of this? Uh, not very well. <laughs> I know. I can't, I, dude, seriously. I can't imagine. I literally can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, just trying to take like an hour a day and go through mentions and go through um, Instagram and see what people are saying and then, you know, read direct messages when I can and really, again, try to keep up with it. I I haven't been able to, and I I think that's a really good problem. And that sounds real arrogant again, like, I can't keep up with how cool I am. (laughs) You guys, I can't keep up with how much people love me. It's so hard. (laughs) Obviously, that's, that's not what I'm getting at, but man, it's, it has been overwhelming and uh, really trying to dive into the messages, at least give some time per day. And I, I've told my wife, like, you know, babe, I'll probably be on my phone a little bit more this this first month where I'm trying to respond to people and connect with people about the stories that they're sending to me. And so, you know, we've, we've got an understanding. <laughs> right. Because it's not just people going like, great song and posting it it is like them giving you extended stories of how yeah, it's impacted yeah, it's, them it's insane. Yeah. like i got a i got a letter just today that came to the church and it was uh, from a man who owns an orphanage in guatemala and he said uh he said man i've been playing this song i found your music through i, I don't know what platform but he said i was listening to bethel music and reckless love came on and he goes, we have played it on repeat for the past week. He says, the kids are singing it in Spanish. He said, these kids, most of them have lost their dads to sickness and disease, or their dad was just absent. He said, I've adopted eight of them into my own family. And to see the way that this story and message is touching these kids who speak Spanish, they're, they're feeling the heart of the message. And he sent a check, which I absolutely cannot receive. But It was just like, bro, I need to be giving you money. Like you you don't need to, you don't need to do this for me. But the story is just like, it's insane that an orphanage in Guatemala is getting touched by the love of the father, these kids who have no dads, you know? 
And so how are you going to spend that money? That, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not spending how that money. I'm use that check? to someone. I don't know. Who. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about like, what is it about worship music or music in general that has that kind of like, like I am playing your whole record every day in my life. Like I am playing through that record and it is affecting the atmosphere of what I'm working on and the relationships I'm in. And I can feel some, and I want to talk to you about some of the other specific songs just because this is the advantage of having a podcast. I get to go, okay, Corey, I love this song. Tell me what it's about. (laughs) But what is it about music that does that? What is the thing? Because I think it must be a spiritual thing. Yeah. I hope for this record that it carries, it carries peace, you know, so many of us deal with so much stuff all throughout the day and then and then other difficulties that arise and the thing that i hope it brings is peace into every room where it's played and that we would feel uh we would feel the love of god in a way that washes everything else away because nothing else matters when you get a hold of the love of god and <laughs> you know the, the difficulties are no longer difficult because it comes into perspective and uh, it all makes sense. But to me, I hope the record just carries a real sense of peace, that peace that passes understanding that you can't, you can't explain it. You can't say, oh, well, you know, it's scientific and it's A plus B equals C. No, there, there is a real spiritual element and component to it that, that you can't necessarily explain, but some music just carries it, you know? Yeah. A lot of my friends who listen believe a lot of the same stuff we believe, but there are a handful of people who listen who don't. And so, which I think is super fun that we all mm-hmm. can just agree on enough to listen to the same podcast. So my question is, will you explain a little bit more when you say carries peace? Because not all of us probably know what it means when you say that a song carries something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And, and I won't even create a dichotomy between sacred and secular because I don't Come I don't on. think that exists. That's right. Come on with that, Corey. <laughs> I think that's a construct that we've created to kind of, especially for Christians, to keep us safe and to say, well, my kids only listen to Christian music, you know. Yes. My, my children don't listen to the secular stuff. But the truth is, I know lots of Coldplay songs that carry, in a lot of ways, the same piece as I think this record carries. Like for me, when I put on that O record, the from Coldplay, that final song, uh, Flock of Birds, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's such a peace on this song. And that doesn't even, um, that doesn't mean it was born out of the same place, but music is a profoundly spiritual experience that can't be defined by, oh yeah, that's Christian or it's not. Because in my opinion, worship is a, a posture of the heart, and it's not a genre of music. It's just they're completely different. Um, so when I say it carries peace, for me, I do hope it's the presence of God and not just a because music can create peace. You know, you can listen to classical music, and uh, it helps you study. It helps you focus because it's peaceful. But when I say it carries peace, I mean like a real spiritual Holy Spirit is moving and doing things through the music then that we could never explain or put our finger on, you know? I think an interesting thing for people who have not experienced much worship music is almost the experiment of put it on in your house and see what happens in three days. Like, see how it feels different. See how it, um, what changes in you and see what happens when you are, I don't play the whole devil's around every corner thing, but I do believe <laughs> that we get to choose the atmosphere we live in. 
Yeah. And you get to choose what your home feels like and you get to choose what what your car feels like. And and the atmosphere you build can be affected by the music that you have playing. And so particularly when I'm like stressed or have something hard going on or it's a busy day, my assistants, we all work out of my house currently. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, man, we turn you up, brother. And it's like (laughs) we just let that run. And then it, it keeps your mind there, too. I think it does something in your mind and in the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's both. Okay, so let's talk about some other songs. While I've got you here, let's do some behind the music. Okay, Water and Dust. Corey, tell me where this came from and how can I get there? Wherever you you found that song, I want to move there. Tell me about Water and Dust. Yeah, it, it was really born out of the first phrase of that song, actually. One part water and one part dust, yet you're still making trophies out of us. And that phrase, I, don't, I think I was just sitting with my guitar one day and it just kind of popped into my heart and I sang it and I was like, wow, there's, there's something to that. And to me, the message of that phrase is the frailty of humanity versus the power of the breath and love of God. Because the love of God doesn't mean anything to us until we realize how absolutely nothing we are without it. <laughs> And it's guys like Rich Mullins and Brennan Manning who I adore because they were acquainted with their own brokenness. They were acquainted with their own weakness. You know, they knew that they were human. They had these propensities for for sin and they had these flaws in their life that actually made the the love of God something to them. It magnified it. You know, it's the New Testament scripture talks about those who are forgiven much will love much. And I think that's the heart of that phrase. And then I remember, you know, the chorus, gently your voice, like a calming embrace. It calls me from out of the noise. It says, you whisper to me, child, forget not your dreams as we lie awake in the dark. And I used to literally, I mean, lay in bed. And it was a nine-year process, this record was for me. And so I would lay in bed going. Nine years (laughs) from start to out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Dude. People need to hear that. It took a while, you know, and and all throughout that, I was wrestling with God going, when is this thing going to come out? Like, I'm ready. Why are you not ready? You know, like, (laughs) why is this not happening? And so I would literally lay on my bed at night going, okay, please let this happen. Like, what is, what is going on? I have all these dreams. I have all these aspirations, which I think are godly. You know, there's godly ambition. I have these things in my heart that I want to do and release. And the father was just kind of like, not yet, you know, relax. Like you heard that real clearly, like a, hey, not yet, bro. Like hang in there. Yeah, I heard it clearly. But but even more than that, the message of what I heard was compounded over the years because I'm such a a type A driven, get it done type of person that everything inside of me wanted to take it into my own hands. Yeah. Which, by the way, I've got to ask you here. Do you know your Enneagram number? Yeah, eight. An eight. Okay. With a seven wing or a nine wing? A seven, I think. Oh, come on. I love that. I'm a seven. So anytime someone comes close to being a seven, I'm like, let's party. Okay. So you're an eight. So you're super driven. Yeah. You're super want to control, want to lead the way, justice. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. And so everything inside of me was like, do it yourself. You know, do a Kickstarter. You don't need a label. Just, just get it done because you've got something you need to release. And each time the father was just like, hey, pump the brakes, bro. Like I'm doing things in your heart that you need before this thing releases because it's going to be a weight that you can't carry unless you wait on this. 
Oh, Corey, you just got to say that to people, man. That is so good because how many of us want the thing we want right now and God's going, if I gave it to you, you could not hold exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so it's about building us up in that. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so good. Even, you know, we as driven people are going, okay, I want to, I want to create this in my own strength. And what I hear the father say is, Hey, if you create it in your own strength, you'll have to maintain it in your own strength. If you do this yourself, you're going to have to carry it yourself. This isn't going to be God breathed or um, ordained, you know? Yeah. And so you decided, okay, I'm going to obey that and wait because you had the option. I mean, I think we need to say to people, you have the option to go after the thing, even when the Lord's telling you to wait. It's up to you. Totally. <laughs> you can have, you can go. And so you just decided, like, okay, obedience looks like waiting on this. And not doing it yet. Yeah. And over and over and over. (laughs) I can't tell you how many emails I had drafted up to Bethel Music. Like, hey, guys, you told me this was happening. Why is it not happening? And each time, like I said, you know, I heard the whisper. Just don't send it and delete the draft. (laughs) Which is almost hilarious that we've already had the reckless love conversation because you could not have imagined what God had for that song. Yeah, totally. And the season that we needed it as the as the church, right? Like, we may not have needed Reckless Love eight years ago or five years ago like we need it right now. Yeah, yeah timing is, it's everything. Do you feel a difference in you today from, you know, let's say five years ago? Can you see what God has done that made this the right time? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Like I said earlier, um, there's something that happens when you're talented, especially as a a worshiper or a singer. Everyone wants to promote you. And a lot of times leaders don't care whether you're ready or not. It's just we have a need right now and we need you to step into that need. And eventually what happens is some people, they aren't ready. And it crushes them, you know, and after two, three years, you find that they're no longer doing what they were doing because they weren't quite ready for that promotion. And like you said earlier, they they couldn't quite handle that. They couldn't quite hold it. And um, I think for me, so much of it was just maturing and um, kind of growing out of some old habits of just real hardness, you know, being like, like you said, type A or eight on the Enneagram and the type A, everything is straightforward for me. And I will say it the way I feel it, no matter what it does to you. And Yeah. yeah. You're very eight. That's very eight of you to say, Corey. <laughs> I think the father was like, hey, I'm actually not like that. And, and you think that's cool because you think you're strong. But the truth is, I'm strong too, but I'm not like that. I'm kind. I'm gentle, even though I'm confident in who I am. Meaning, you know, that's the Lord saying that to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took a lot of encounters with that deficiency to figure that out. Okay. Yeah, to feel that like, I want to be like God, and that means not being like me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is something really um, 
powerful about what you're saying of the idea that God is strong and confident and kind. Yeah, yeah. And putting all those together. Um, you talk a lot about, in, just in this conversation, about hearing God for yourself. And I love talking about that too. Will you? Can you talk a little bit about how you have learned to recognize God's voice? It's one of the things that my friends who listen, when whenever anyone comes on the show and talks about hearing God's voice, my inbox blows up because <laughs> everyone wants to hear him. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about what that relationship is like for you and how you have learned to recognize his voice? Yeah, definitely. I think in the earlier years of of my relationship with the Lord, it it looked more like directives. You know, it would be like a, a prophetic word that you just couldn't deny, that type of thing. It's almost like God spoke to you. Imagine this, you know, you're a parent, right? And and you've got a five year old. You don't reason with them on what they're going to do that day. You simply tell them you're going to brush your teeth. You're going to wake up and do this and that because I'm your parent and I tell you what you're going to do. However, when they're 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, you relate with them differently. You speak to them as an adult and you present options, you know, and you say, oh man, you're, you're considering college, dude, I would love it if you stayed in state and you went to A, B, and C. And he, he can say back to you or, you know, your son or daughter, well, you know, this was in my heart and you go, okay, man, well, let's talk about that. And there's this, there's this dialogue that, that takes place and that's because of maturity. You know, the, the kid's no longer five. And so for me, when I was young, it was a lot of, you know, really specific prophetic words, a lot of times because I didn't know how to hear his voice other than that. Okay. That was his number one way of communicating with you and teaching you his voice outside of the word was through other people speaking, encouraging prophetic things into your life. Exactly. And and it's interesting because as the relationship has progressed and matured, now when there's a big decision to make, it almost feels like the father just puts an invitation before me. It's like, here are your options. And I talk to him as a dad, you know, like, well, well, here's my thought process on this. And, and I can hear him gently whisper back. And a lot of times it's just, it's for me, it's my own thoughts coming back at me. But I know that because I've matured in relationship with him, that, that it's dialogue, you know, and, and you also have to realize that we've got the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God that, that dwells inside of us as believers. And that's pretty important as well. <laughs> right. No kidding. Sorry to interrupt, friends. And I'm already laughing because we went through this with John Christ episode that I have a very respectable man on my show. And I get to tell you, our show today is brought to you by Third Love Bra Company. So thank you to Third Love. When it comes to bra shopping, it is about finding the right fit for you. And there's only one lingerie brand that offers bras in size AA through G and half cup sizes, and that is Third Love. Third Love uses thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that fit better and feel great. And Third Love knows that there is a perfect bra for everyone. Well, every woman. And so now they are offering my listeners, you guys, 15% off your first order. To find the bra you've been waiting for, all you have to do is answer a few simple questions from Third Love's Fit Finder quiz. Take 60 seconds. You can do it all from home. So try a Third Love bra. This year, make the change that will change the way you think about bras. Go to thirdlove.com slash sounds fun right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash sounds fun. Thirdlove.com slash sounds fun. 
for all of us, this is a perfect time to break out of your comfort zone and try things that you've never done before. And I'm not talking about skydiving or base jumping. I'm talking about switching up your breakfast game with Daily Harvest by sending creative recipes and must-know superfoods straight to your door like cacao and avocado smoothies or mulberry and dragon fruit oats. Daily Harvest makes it impossibly easy to try to do something new before you even sat down for work. And because all Daily Harvest recipes are perfectly portioned and developed by a trained chef, it's guaranteed to taste great. And you guys know me, I want to eat well, but that requires cooking and it takes up a lot of time that I'd rather be doing anything else. Going on walks with my friends, uh, reading, y'all know I'm trying to get through all Madeline Ingalls books, listening to Corey Asbury's music. There's a lot of other ways I like to spend my time. And that's why Daily Harvest for me has been a great solution. It's healthy, doesn't require any real cooking, and it hardly takes up any time. That means I get to have a lot more time to do the things that I really want. So Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned frozen superfood eats right to your door with your choice of smoothies, soups, breakfast bowls, or plant-based sundaes. So you store them in your freezer until you're ready to make one. And then you just pull it out, add water or almond milk, which is what I usually do, and blend it or heat it, whichever one. Smoothies take like 30 seconds, soups are ready in five minutes, and overnight oats in the chia parfaits can be made like literally in your sleep because you do it overnight. It's awesome. So Daily Harvest produce is organic and unrefined and looks as good as it tastes. You can actually see all the whole ingredients when you open the cup. Things like cacao nibs and chunks of mango, whole raspberries, pumpkin seeds, coconut, all of it. It's awesome. It really is. Daily Harvest really is the fastest, most convenient way to up your fruit and vegetable intake without having to put in all the work that usually comes with eating more fruits and vegetables. So go to daily-harvest.com and enter the promo code SOUNDSFUN and you'll get three free items in your first box. I'm telling you, those overnight oats are so good. Make sure that's one of your three. The promo code SOUNDSFUN, again, gets you three free Daily Harvest cups. It's daily-harvest.com, daily-harvest.com and use the code SOUNDSFUN. Now back to Corey Asbury. I love talking with people like you who we kind of share this like, yeah, I think I can hear God for myself and for other people. Yeah. And teaching people like God wants to talk to you as much as you want to hear him. My pastor at church says from stage a lot, you can have as much God as you want. Yeah. Like you get to decide how much you want. And so I just think that's um, super beautiful to think about as you grow and mature and, and the relationship becomes like, a conversation versus directives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you feel that when you're writing too? Do you feel like him directing you or in conversation with you? Or what does it feel like when you're working on a song? Yeah. Sometimes I think usually for me, it's just kind of a spark of inspiration that happens. And I, I'd like to believe that. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's from the father, you know, it's from the Holy spirit, but usually it's that, that one thing, like I said about water and dust, it was that one phrase that kind of began the whole thing. And then throughout it, I'm definitely, I feel like I'm talking with him for sure, but it's more just, I'm kind of in my own head, I guess, <laughs> like my own thoughts and, and going back and forth and really wanting to craft the idea super well so that it, it's, it's couched perfectly and, and can sit right with people, you know? Yeah, man, I, I don't think, and I, I don't write songs, I write books. But I don't think people outside of writing uh, recognize how much we care about every single word like that. Yeah. Like when you said couch it correctly, I mean, every sentence I write, I make sure every word is the right word I mean. 
and y'all have to do it in about one two hundredths of the space <laughs> that I get. Yeah. I get to say a whole lot more than you do. So for me, I'll just say for me, when I'm doing that, I'm listening to Lord, but I'm also just kind of feeling my way through and trying to find the rhythmic word that fits there. Or do you have that similar experience just in a much shorter, more poetic form? Yes, absolutely. I think so much of writing, and this isn't to be elitist or or whatever, but so much of writing is it's instinct and it can't be taught. You know, you grow up reading stuff as a kid and, and I think so much of that shapes you for sure. But I think so much of it is just, it's innate, like it's in you or it's not. Some people are, are writers and some people are not. And, and like you said, there's a rhythm to it that you can find that someone else wouldn't necessarily be able to feel or find. And, you know, that's, that's not to say that you can't grow in it if you're not a, a writer per se, but it's almost like, you know, a sports analogy would be, do you watch football at all? Oh yeah, brother. I'm in. Okay, good. So I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan diehard, which is just <laughs> brutal, but I am Falcons, Georgia Bulldogs. My past destroyed you two years ago. So that makes me happy. Okay, great. This is, this friendship's <laughs> going to go super that you're a Patriots fan. That's just all my dreams come true. So the sports analogy would be, you know, all the um, all the scouts and an a- analysts, they talk about a quarterback and a quarterback has certain intangibles that cannot be defined. And I think so many times as writers, writers have certain intangibles that just can't be defined. You could say, oh, yeah, well, your vocabulary is a nine out of ten, but your instinct is it's indescribable. You can't grab a hold of it. You can't touch it. It's it's kind of weird to talk about, but I think it's really real. And I think that's super encouraging for anyone who's listening that feels that that makes their heart beat fast to go like, oh yeah, I can come up with stuff other people don't come up with. Whether it's songwriters or poets or book writers, authors of any kind going like, oh, what he is saying is the gift God's put in me. I should be doing something with this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's Awesome. Okay. Here's the other song I want you to tell me about. And actually I just got, I literally just got my journal out, which I've (laughs) never read from my journal in my whole life. I've done 80 something episodes. And literally uh, on Sunday, February 11th, I said, listening to Born Again by Corey Asbury today. And it feels like this may be the song of the season. Wow. Cause I kind of build playlists and, and God really uses music to direct me a lot and lyrics to direct me a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've really felt like Born Again was supposed to be what he's walking me into, particularly with Lent. But tell me a little bit about the origins of Born Again, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. To, to me, it's kind of two-parted. The first is I was coming off of three back-to-back really rigorous uh, trips, like ministry trips. You know, we were doing different events and things, and I got back, and I needed that deep breath. You know, I needed that that moment of quiet, you know, Jesus talks about in the New Testament, drew to lonely places, you know, his, his ability to do what he did on a daily basis was because he found those moments with the Father that revived his soul, that, that restored him in a, in a really important way. So I sat down at the piano and that first verse just sort of poured out, take me by the hand, you know, Psalm 23, basically walk with me by quiet streams. I need to, I need to hear and feel the wind. I need to be in the atmosphere that restores my soul. And uh, it was just very peaceful moment. And then the second part was um, 
I was out, and this was back when we lived in Kansas City, and uh, Gabriel, my firstborn, who's eight now, he was about three at this time. We were out behind our house, and it was it was kind of the golden hour, you know, it was the end of the day, and he was walking through this field, and it was almost like, um, you know, that Sting song, we, we walk in fields of gold? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it was like that kind of look and feel, and the light was just playing on his form, and I could feel the warmth of the light on my face, and, and that phrase, in the quiet pride of my father's eyes. I remember who I am. It just sort of began to come and and I I felt um it's like the light was the warmth of a smile and I could feel it washing over me and and restoring my soul just like that other sort of moment, you know, and um if you have kids, you know what it what it feels like to look at them with just this gentle smile on your face. And it's not like you're you're screaming and yelling and rejoicing, oh my gosh, you're the greatest kid ever. <laughs> you know, there's just this gentle adoration that takes place as you look at them and you feel these feelings of of such intense joy and pleasure that you, you just can't describe them. And I imagined in that moment that's what the father felt about me and about Gabriel. It was this this moment of his smile sort of washing over us. I've seen the cover because the original cover for Reckless Love, like the single is you as a kid and then the yeah. album cover is you and Gabriel, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe you said this on Instagram, I can't remember, but you were, you said something about like this album really poured out of that place of being, I'm not a parent, but of, of that place of you being a parent and seeing God so differently once you had kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Did I make that up or did you say that? No, I think uh, the the phrase that kind of was in my spirit for this record and song was basically just that I had to become a father to learn how to be a son. And that's true in so many ways for me because of the way that I grew up with a dad who was sort of distant and, you know, not close, not affectionate. And when you experience that, you begin to put that on God as well. You think, oh, well, my dad was like this, so you must be like this. And we sort of view him uh, these weird sort of skewed ways. And for me, having my own little boy changed all of that, really, because I realized that I had a capacity in my heart for love that I did not know was possible. And it began to redefine that for me. Last Sunday at church, our, one of our pastors taught named Drew, and he said, God is not the reflection of your earthly dad. He is the perfection of everything you long for in a dad. <laughs> yeah, that's it's right on. Right? That's so good. And it's just like, yeah, okay, he's not, he's not even what you've experienced. He's some of the good that you've experienced, but he's actually everything you wish you could experience, which I think is just incredible. Okay, so here's a funny question I'd love to ask you. Tell me about your relationship with Jesus versus your relationship with God. Yeah, I think I grew up in the relationship with Jesus. Like that was my first encounter with God, so to speak. And and because the Father was such a, a difficult place for me, I couldn't connect with him in that way. And people would talk about the Father, but it would just kind of go over my head, you know, it, it wouldn't really it wouldn't really touch my heart. And Jesus was was the friend, you know, he was he was the one that came close as a brother. He put on flesh, you know, and he became one of us. And so that was easier for me to relate to at first because there was no 
there was no wound there. You know, there was no hurt there. It was just like, wow, you, you came close. You know, you, you wanted to be with us so bad that you actually put on flesh and came as a baby and had to learn stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually a lot easier for me to grapple with and and understand. Um, And that was sort of my years at the house of prayer. Um, I spent eight. Yeah. That's where I was introduced to you is at IHOP. Yeah. Yeah. I spent eight years at at IHOP house of prayer in Kansas city. And it was all about Jesus. And and for them, uh, it was so much even about the bridegroom, you know, Jesus as, the husband of the bride of Christ, basically, you know, which I I believe is a profoundly biblical idea. That part didn't even hit me as much as Jesus as my brother, Jesus as a a man, you know? So that, that was kind of my introduction to real Christianity and real relationship was there was this guy (laughs) who loved me so much that he would go to a cross and he wanted to talk to me. Yeah, that's beautiful. I I remember being a freshman in college and someone asking me about being a Christian. I'd grown up a Christian, so I just said like, "Oh yeah, yeah, of course I, you know, all the things. I've been a Christian forever." And they and they asked me like, "Well, what's your relationship with Jesus like?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I, I it's almost like I didn't have even as an 18-year-old who had been a believer for, you know, since I was 5, I didn't realize that there were different relationships here. That there was this thing you could have with Jesus that is not what you have with God. And you described that so beautifully of like understanding who Jesus is as a guy who walked here, as a brother, as a as a man who had to learn things. And then God as this father who has such, un- and they both unconditionally love us, but have has such unconditional love. Like, I love that scripture where it says Jesus is always interceding for us. It just always feels like he's standing beside me in a lot of ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, let me tell you what else we shared that you don't know we share. Okay. Israel Collective. Yeah, did you go? You went to Israel with them, right? Yeah, I went literally, I think I went the same summer you did. Uh, I went twenty summer of 2015. Yeah, that sounds right. I, f- I feel like our group was sort of the guinea pig group. For sure, because you're with Mariah, right? Yes. Mariah Peters. Yeah, and they were yes. trying to figure out like, are people going to do this? Are they going to think we're weird? And there are a few people who are just like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then everybody started doing it. (laughs) I mean, it is super fun. And so my trip, the reason I know which one you're on is because of Mariah, but also because we, the day you guys took off is the day we landed. That's correct. And so Josh and Raj, who run the trips, were telling us all about y'all's group and about y'all's experience before and like how tired they were to try to do two back to back. And so, yeah. But tell me about, was that your first time going to Israel? Yeah, it was. And gosh, what a, what a wild experience that was. I mean, half because it was Israel, but half because of just how crazy our group was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, I, you can say as much as you want about that, but I'm not going to say it because they weren't my people. But yeah, I know that y'all were, Y'all had a lot of strong personalities on your trip. Yeah. And they were, you know, it was all kind of artists and uh, singers, musicians, dancers. That There's an L.A. crowd, actually. And I don't know how I, Anna and I, my wife and I got into that, but we did. Um, so it, we've actually made some really good friends out of it. But man, touring the the land was insane. It had been a dream of ours to go for a long time, then an opportunity presented itself. And we were like, heck yeah, we'll be the guinea pigs. <laughs> For sure. I felt the same way. I mean, when the guy emailed me and he was like, you can go to Israel. I was like, uh, all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, okay, I'll go. What was your favorite place we saw? Um, Man, that's really tough. I think probably 
the Mount of Olives where the Sermon on the Mount was. How come? What made that stand out for you? I just think that that story in the scripture had, I looked at it so much that to see, you know, who knows if it's actually where that took place exactly, but to see the place where it probably took place was like, this is, this is cool. You know, Jesus was here basically giving his key sermon <laughs> to all these broken and hurting people. And this was the place that had actually happened. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. I just couldn't shake the whole time we were there. The idea of like, he really walked here, like literally walked here. Peter really walked here. Peter's my favorite of all the other dudes. <laughs> you know, like all the, like these guys really, King David really was here. Like it just, ch- someone said to me before I went, it'll change your Bible reading from black and white to technicolor. And I thought that doesn't make any sense. But I'm like, yeah, it does. That's exactly what happened. I feel like I see it totally differently now. I see the whole thing so differently. Totally. And and even to, to encounter the people, people who live there in their culture was so cool. Like one of the most impactful things to me was Anna and I were out like 2 a.m. one morning just because we felt like going out, you know? So we went to the strip. I think we were in Tel Aviv, maybe even. And um, all these little kids were out by themselves at 2 a.m. I could not understand it, you know, probably eight, nine, 10 years old. And I said to one of the guys who was running the shop that we were getting food from, I was like, Hey, why are there kids out at, at 2 a.m. in the you know in the middle of the night? I was like, isn't that dangerous? You know, that doesn't seem safe. And he goes, No. He goes, it's not dangerous at all. He goes, We're all family around here and we all take care of each other's people. Oh wow. And so we know who these kids are and we're all watching out for them. Right. And I was like, that, that is sweet. No kidding. Did y'all do the Shabbat dinner where you yeah. went to the family's house? Yep. I loved meeting that family. I just thought, man, these people are like they're making so much food for starters. You know, like they tell you, go slow, don't eat, don't eat everything at the beginning. And you're like, yeah, right. And then it's like, it just kept coming. Yeah. But then the people, that family, I wonder if y'all are with the same family as us, but the family that, that he sang over her and yep. sang over the kids and, yep. and told jokes the whole time. And I just thought, man, it, I'm so grateful to get to see Israel uh, historically, but also like modern day culturally yeah. meeting the people and getting to know them as well. Yeah. They, they love family. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Okay. So tell me for people who have not listened to your music yet and they, today they go by reckless love. Yeah. What do you hope? What, how should they use it? What's the next thing they do after they get the album? Yeah. I hope it's an encounter. <laughs> yeah. More than that's even so just, oh, that was a cool song. You know, for me, it's, I hope it brings somewhat of a revelation of what God is like in the midst of a generation of people who shake their fists at God for the most part. And we blame him for all the bad, but never give him credit for the good, (laughs) you know, natural disasters. That's God. Right. But, but how about when a ton of people get saved because of some crazy coincidence? No, that's not God. That's people. I hope that people could see the goodness of God the goodness of the Father in the face of Jesus, who, who was the kindest man to ever walk the planet, who healed everyone that asked of him, who sat with the broken, who loved the sinners, who loved the prostitutes, and the Pharisees were mad at him because of it. <laughs> I hope that, that people can encounter that God, not the mean God that kills people and, and does all the bad things, but the kindness 
of God that that can change hearts that have been hardened for years, you know, in an instant. Yeah. And I, I hope people hear what you're saying, that you're not asking them to memorize all the lyrics and to <laughs> learn. And like when they sing to God, it will change them. That's not what you're saying. You're saying, man, if, if you will just let these words be over you yeah. and be played around you, it will change something for you because it'll tell you who God is. Yep. Man, you're an incredibly good songwriter. And I Thank feel, you. I'm not exaggerating, I feel really lucky to live and serve in a generation alongside you because I think you're doing such beautiful work for us. I mean, you're you're informing my work all the time. So every book that comes out has has your fingerprints on it too. And so, especially in this season, when I'm walking on stages to speak and you're my soundtrack, you are informing um, what God has done in you is informing what God does in people that are uh, in the audience where I speak on stages. And so well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Absolutely. I'm really thankful. Um, okay. So our last question, and then I'll let you live your life. Um, <laughs> because the podcast is called That Sounds Fun, we always like to talk about what sounds fun to you. Like what is fun? What does Corey Asbury do for fun? Yeah. Gosh. I mean, so many things, right? Yep. Wing seven, brother. Wing that seven. <laughs> I think... If I could do anything for fun, like right this moment, yes, do, to tell us that I would be out on the water in the flats of Florida, fishing for redfish, snook, tarpon. Uh, I mean, I don't know any of those words. <laughs> <laughs> they're all just different kinds of fish. Yeah, they're they're all fish. I love fishing. Okay. I absolutely adore it. Why? There's the thrill of the hunt. There's the thrill of finding the fish that you you don't even know is there. And then all of a sudden you see something and you think it's there. And then there's the, the next moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I've got something. And I, I don't know what it is, but my word, it's pulling, you know? Yeah. That That's so fun to me. But then there's also just a piece of being out. Right. Just being like in nature. Exactly. Just just enjoying and, and taking a deep breath and enjoying that peace like we talked about earlier. and. Being there and not having to do anything, not having to answer a text or an email, just being there in the moment. But then just the thrill of the hunt and the fight and, and the unknown, like, oh, my gosh, what what's there? What am I going to catch today? Are all like my favorite things in the world. Okay. <laughs> I love that. That's an excellent answer. Well done. People say a wild gamut of things. And that is a really great <laughs> answer. Well done. I give you a plus. <laughs> Thanks. Um, is there anything we didn't talk about that you wish we cover? Are you going on tour? Do you need to push any other product? Is there anything else I can do for you? No, I mean, we're doing a couple tours, road shows coming up the uh, beginning of March for me. And then, oh, cool. I didn't know you were going on Roadshow. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's only like 12 dates for me. It's been going for a while, but yeah. with family, it's too, it's too much to do like a, a full month. A full you tour, know? yeah. Have you been on Roadshow before? No, no. This is brand new for me. Oh, dude. So many of my friends are out on that show. It's the best. You're going to totally love it. Yeah, I'm stoked, man. It's, it's a whole new kind of group of people really for me i'm i'm so i've been so worship and this feels so much more like ccm-ish type of radio type of thing which i really want to get acquainted with yeah but you get to bring you into that world which is just yeah. like you get to bring your anointing and your words into that world and that is such a gift so yeah yeah all right thanks for doing this today i really appreciate it totally
Man, guys, I told you I was going to make it be my friend. I'm so into that guy. He's so cool, so smart. I hope you enjoyed it. And listen, whether you already have a lot of worship music in your life or not, especially if you don't, I think this would be a really interesting album for you to start with. Go ahead and get Reckless Love. Get the whole album and let it play in your life. Just like he said, if you are looking for peace, friend, listen, A, I hear you. Me too. If you are looking for peace, let this album walk with you through that. All right. Let this album do that. Go ahead and grab Reckless Love by Corey Asbury and make sure you follow him all over the place. He's Corey Asbury and we'll link to him in the show notes and on the blog post that goes up with all of our links that our wonderful Maggie, our detective Maggie will find all the links for you. So you'll be able to find everything. And that will be on my blog. It's AnnieFDowns.com. And that will be up Friday, the day after the show releases. Hey, if you need me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs everywhere. F as in Falcons. We talked about him. Oh, brutal that Corey's a Pats fan. How are we going to survive it? I don't know, but we will. Annie F. Downs all over the place. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you need me. And if you get a chance and can rate and review the show, it would just mean the world. And subscribe. You guys don't want to miss these. I know. Listen, I'm seeing your direct messages. I'm seeing your emails. I'm seeing your messages on Facebook. The 2018 has... Hey, y'all been about the podcast episode so far. I know. You love them and you're sharing them with your friends. Do that again today. Share this episode with someone who you know needs peace, someone who you know loves worship music, or someone who you just think would enjoy spending a couple of minutes with me and Corey Asbury. So thanks again to Corey for being on the show and thanks for being my new friend. I'm grateful. And <laughs> why do I force people to be my friend, y'all? I just do it. So I am going to go meet up with a friend for coffee and then I have counseling. You guys know I love my <laughs> mental and emotional health and that actually sounds really fun to me today. So you go out there and do something that sounds fun to you too and we will see you next week.